You're listening to the Match Mary Mate Show, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here, I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers, and welcome to another episode, Lovebugs. Remember, this season is titled Experiences, and that we are journeying through various events on a dating, relationship, and marriage trajectory. This season, we're tapping into our solar plexus, which invites us to set intentions in the power of I do. And I've designed season three to help you unlock your personal power and build a stronger sense of self with seven select stories I've curated for you. This is our third story of the season. In our first story, episode 15, His Dating Pivot, we leaned more into that stronger sense of self, asking you to consider how you connect with the other gender. In our second story, episode 16, My Black Marriage Research, we discuss mindsets, behaviors, and conversations to help advance the Black community, focusing on education, economics, and marriage and family. Funny enough, my guests hit two of my research points that you'll recognize today from the last show. First, this idea of seeing fellow Black people, especially men, as people who naturally need space and grace and understanding and how the quality of relating is improved when we do. And second, the value of having a relationship or marriage that's designed with quality, satisfaction, and benefiting from longevity. You're listening to episode 17 of our regular season titled Her Dating Dry Spell. This episode is for single or partner Black women and even Black couples. We visited some events and issues that could benefit all three today. So please come and sit with us for a spell. I want you to have access to today's interview questions and some noteworthy quotes. So I designed an episode guide for you. Be sure to download it. Stay tuned at the end of the show for more details about the next episode coming. First, let's begin with the power of affirmation. We start every episode with an affirmation as a way to center self, listen to the body, and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, or emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I do. I do empower myself to be the woman I want to be. I do challenge men without emasculating them. I do honor myself when something does not feel good to me. Welcome again 
Today, I have a Kylie Rodriguez with me, and she's here to give her second update on her 100 Dates in Houston blog series and her own personal dating journey. I am a fan of the blog and an avid reader. The posts are so intriguing, and I find myself oscillating between my practitioner self as a dating and relationship coach who supports Black women and couples, and my researcher self as a doc student searching for more insights and trends. So I be having questions, (laughs) y'all, that the blog post alone cannot answer for me. So this is why Kadi and I have to chat about it. Now, most of our talk is about one guy, Mr. Hairline, as we cover dates, conversations, feelings, and the decision to bring it to an end. In doing so, Kylie experienced a dry spell with no new dating possibilities on the horizon. So we chat about seasons and cycles too. I like Mr. Hairline. Before he started giving inconsistency, I was rooting for him. Kylie even shared a picture of him with me. And y'all, he is good looking with a perfect hairline, hence the nickname. So Kylie and I, Together in our conversation, we explore the intersection between womanhood and gender roles, both traditional and modern, the power of female inspiration and how it influences a man. Now, if you bought a copy of the Biblical Marriage Episode Guide, please review your male authority versus female power article and see what connections you can make as you listen to how Kaidi operated in her womanly role with female power and how she was received by Mr. Hairline. We also chat about determining if a man wants you for you or just to fill a slot for a woman to fulfill his desire to have children. And Kylie's what I'm calling her waiting to exhale moment and a well-deserved moment for her, might I add. How to balance between entertaining a dead situation for too long out of neediness and attachment and bailing out too fast out of trauma and fear. Mm. The energy of connection and why it's important to maintain the momentum when you're interested in getting to know someone more. Ooh, fellas, I feel like that one's for y'all. If you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) And then last but not least, we discuss how to protect your secure attachment style with a recovering anxious attachment style and a little bit on relationship dynamics. Now, I'm earning my PhD in this work to be in the best position to support my community Also, studies show that with proper relationship education, we can produce smarter, safer, and happier romantic decisions that improve the quality of our relationships as we match, marry, and mate. Because why, y'all? Black love matters, and we're in much need of some Black family restoration. Hi, Kaidi. Welcome back. Hi, Joyce. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling extra spicy after catching up on the blog. (laughs) Extra spicy, even though my last one was dry spell. (laughs) I know, but I got stuck between like uh, when sparks fly. (laughs) 
<laughs> that one I think is uh, my favorite. So for the audience to refresh you, I had Kylie on in season two. It was episode 11, I Feel My Pleasure. It was her introduction to the Match Mary Made podcast. But in it, she gave us a little bit of insight with what was going on with the 100 Dates in Houston blog series. And at that time, we had conversed about dates one through six. So today, I want to pick up dates seven through, I believe, nine, including two posts that don't have anything to do with dates, but just Kaidi processing her journey as a dating woman. So thank you, Kaidi, for joining us again and being willing to tell your story. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Kaidi Rodriguez, and professionally, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I've decided to share my dating journey for women like me. You know, I also identify as a writer. So I started this blog, 100 Dates in Houston, to chronicle my dating journey. And uh, the idea is that love is a numbers game. And so we have to experience a volume of dates in order to successfully um, match with the right person. And th through the journey, I share a lot of psychology insights, things that I tell my clients, things that I've learned myself, um, both, both personally and professionally as a therapist, but also as a woman. And so I'm just here sharing that with you all. You do a really good job interweaving all of those things. I feel like after each blog post, there was a little snippet on who you are as a woman. There's a little snippet on um, therapy work. There's a little snippet on your personal development and your dating coaching and all the acumen you've gained across the years. I really love how collective it is. <laughs> yeah, I've been describing it as like sex in the city meets psychology today. Oh, I love that. That brings me, I wanted to read this for the uh, listeners anyways. So at the end, I think you just started this and I absolutely love it. But at the end of every blog post, there's like this little blurb that prompts us for how to support you. And I want to read it to the to the audience. So it says, make sure you're subscribed and check back next week to find out whatever it could be for that topic. So make sure you're subscribed, y'all. It's KaidiBRodriguez.com. You click blog and you will see all the 100 dates, juice and tea. And her blurb continues. If you're already a fan of my little dating blog, I would love if you link this blog on your social media with the caption below. I've been reading the 100 dates in Houston blog and I'm a fan. I know I am. <laughs> the author is a black woman and therapist. If you're single and dating, a psychology buff, or just a fan of chick lit and romance, check it out. So I'm going to start, she ends each blog post like that, but I'm going to start our episode by saying, if either of that is you or interests you, stay along for the show. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I want to pick right up, date number seven. It's called When Sparks Fly. Yes. Very intriguing title. I immediately thought, ooh, this hints at your love a girl persona. 
I had already got out of the bed and was dressed and everything. But when I saw the title, I was like, oh, I'm about to get on the sofa and cozy up. This feels like a read. I just want to feel warm and cozy. And it did not disappoint. So my first question for you mm -hmm. might be a little for you to kind of work through. Okay. I'm very curious. You ready? Yes. I think I'm ready. <laughs> I'm quoting you. Are you ready for that wait? Oh boy. Okay. You're going to use my own words. Go ahead. <laughs> you say in date number seven or blog post number seven, I often teeter on the lines of womanhood and gender roles swinging between traditional and modern, depending on the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. All right. So as a, as a woman who helps other women with dating, relationships, marriage, the things I am always met with this conundrum of traditional and modern right single women single black women in particular tend to you said teeter the line i would have said straddle the fence what have <laughs> you um and going in and out of those views i know i find one of the one of the things that i have to help clients process is they really like traditional values and traditional roles when it comes to marriage or a relationship mm -hmm. when a man is performing. Right. We don't <laughs> want traditional responsibility. <laughs> but they don't like traditional expectations and responsibilities when it comes time for how the, the woman would need to respond or carry out a role or its tasks. Okay. So you didn't... You aren't necessarily speaking about um, having the role in a relationship or in a marriage, uh -huh. but obviously you played with it a little bit with how you decide to respond to Mr. Hairline. So I would just love for you to take up space, tell us what was going on, how you play with that line between the tr traditional and the modern. Uh -huh. And I don't know, like, you said of womanhood and gender roles. So if there's distinction there, give it to us. I'm curious of how a single black woman dating tears that line and what what are you thinking? What decisions are you making? What are you lulling over? That particular piece was in regards to uh, in, like initiating and planning and getting a date going. So at that point, we hadn't heard, uh, I, I had a date that we agreed that we were supposed to meet on a certain day, but we didn't have any details planned. There hadn't been any confirmation of time, location, um, not much. And a caveat that I think is important is this had kind of been his MO, like he really just, you know, was hot and cold for throughout a good bit of our dating. So it was just kind of hard to read him. And so with that being said, I wasn't sure the day before the date what was happening. And I wanted to, I didn't want to kind of go and pursue him and like, okay, when are we doing this? This is what we're doing, you know, like, like really make it happen. Um, and so I guess that was more of the traditional, like you kind of wait for the man to take lead and take initiative. But I also feel like in terms of womanhood, uh, that you can be an empowered woman and speak for what you want, get clarity, ask for what you want, as opposed to just waiting uh, for, for the man to do the work. And so I ended up seeking clarity the day before 
uh, as opposed to waiting until the next day. Because quite frankly, I had some other plans that were like a, a plan B. If this doesn't work out, there's this uh, salsa boat thing that I wanted to go and do. And so if if it wasn't going to happen, then, you know, let's just get the clarity. So I asked for the clarity. And good thing I did. He which is just kind of a last minute person. <laughs> and he was like, you know, I guess we were going to talk about it tomorrow. So although we had been talking throughout the day, he just hadn't mentioned the plans. So we got the clarity and everything worked out fine. I love it. He, um, one of my favorite things in that blog post was you used his own words to challenge him. Oh, and that's yeah. when I, that's one of my little strategies. So I was like, go Kike, go Kike. <laughs> um, Something like if you told oh, me if I was yeah ever confused. Yeah, he told me he ask. told me he told me to not to try to figure him out. And if I was ever confused, just ask. And so I was confused the day before our date where, you know, you're talking and we hadn't solidified any, we hadn't even talked about the date. Um, and so I was confused. So I said, Well, you told me that. So I'm confused. So now I'm asking. And he gladly clarified. So you're saying your teetering was not accepting the traditional role of passivity or maybe quietness right, and right. deciding to be empowered, use your voice, speak up, get some clarity, and then you can make new decisions. I think the traditional route might have been just let the man lead the whole thing. Like, as you said, passivity. And we can be left with a lot of question marks. Ultimately, his behavior as we get go through, he just wasn't able to be consistent. And I think that was just another example of that. And maybe I might have seen it sooner or something, but I don't know. I don't know. I often tell my clients, leadership requires inspiration. And you are usually bringing the inspiration piece mm -hmm. to a conversation, a collaboration, a date. Okay. You were inspiring him to communicate, mm -hmm. to be more clear, mm -hmm. and to give you a little bit more security that what you're getting ready to give up mm -hmm. in order to be available for him in the day makes sense for you to do. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess, you know, as opposed to assuming, right, or sitting and, and stewing and being upset about the fact that there hasn't been any clarity, um, I sought clarity, and I think that level of, of communication can be inspiring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was inspired just reading it, so I know he had to. And for him specifically, you were using his own words. So, of right. course, he's now inspired to act. I think his immediate response was ask away. Right. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at some point on date seven, you and Hairline chat about children. Particularly this idea that I think you share with him, you've previously dated other men and in your experience, men want to date years before marriage and children and how, yeah, right. Okay. And how at this stage, that just wouldn't work for you. And I right. think you're on, the, you're on the fence about children in general. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But also particularly for him, because I know children, like he really wants children. And so I'm like, well, we can, if you want to have children and you're dating me, it can't be years and years, you know, dating and engagement process. Well, I love what he said back. I love that he was like, oh, well, should we decide 
to be in a committed relationship, that really won't be an issue. Right. Okay. Because I know, like me and you have had private conversations, but I've also heard you speak publicly, or at least in mixed company, not just you and I, mm-hmm. about men valuing their female partners just for who they are as women. Right. And and who they are, obviously also what they have and can bring to a union, but mm-hmm. largely just who they are as individual women, valuing that mm-hmm. in and of itself and making a choice to choose said woman as a partner because of what's true about who she is. Mm-hmm. Okay, not necessarily, not that having a baby can't be an extension of that, right. but you understanding that a person isn't choosing you just to make you be a mama. Right, right. Like you're kind of looking for, you had this slot to fill of, I need someone to mother my child. And so let's see who best fits into that slot versus I see this woman and everything about her is wonderful. (laughs) Not everything, but you know, (laughs) and and I want to do life with her. Yeah. Um, Whatever that may be. I think women who are completely sold that I absolutely want to be married and I absolutely want to be married to mother, you know, to have my children and have that, you know, nuclear 2.5 children with the picket fence and the soccer ball and the puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think women who that they know that they want that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that messaging is coming from them. Because it's kind of one and the same, right? It's like, well, I'm okay if you're choosing me because you see me as a potential mother to your children. That's kind of why I'm signing up for it. Mm-hmm. But for women like you and I, who are marrying older, um, on the fence about children, you, mm-hmm. me, on the fence about having any more, mm, mm-hmm. it is important for us because children may or may not be an outcome. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, it is important for us to know that the male partner wants us for just us and not to check the box yeah. or even with the expectation that children will be an outcome of this union, right? But I think, I think though, and this is just my personal opinion, not professional, but I think that every woman, I, I would like to see every woman use that as a guide because children are never a guarantee. Like you never know what comes in. And if that man is only choosing you for your ability to bear him a child, essentially, then what if that can't happen? Um, And there's many women who can bear a child and mother. But in terms of his life partner, I think there's less that can fit into that into that slot. And so him valuing you as a person, regardless of what may come. And then when those kids grow up, too, you know. Does he does he like and value you as a woman? I think that's that all falls into that decision process. I agree with you that all women should look for that. I just don't know that women who want that mm-hmm. have that degree of nuance <laughs> in, in understanding why they are being chosen. Yeah. And I know you do. Mm-hmm. And there's been like points of friction sometimes. Because it was either hard to tell if a guy was interested in you for just you, or it was obvious that it wasn't just that. So when I read that, my heart immediately smiled for you. And my question was, oh my goodness, I want to know how does she feel? How does it feel to have a man telling you that should a committed relationship transpire, that 
having all of these years in the dating process Mm -hmm. would not be the case with him. Yeah, it felt relieving. It felt relieving, like kind of like we're on the same page, that we're going in the same direction and want the same things, uh, or at least on the same timeline, because I think sometimes things are a matter of timing. You know, my last ex was quite a few years younger than me. (laughs) And so I think we weren't on uh, the same timing. So this felt like a relief. I love that for you. I absolutely love that for you. Um, I know you talk a lot about anxiety, particularly anxiety or a level of anxiousness that can come up with Mm -hmm. dating or just relating to men. Mm -hmm. And when I read this, I'm like, oh, I think Heidi had her exhale moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right, where you're just able to interact with a guy and he's not giving you anxiety. In fact, quite the opposite, where you can just woosah on it. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he gave me, he gave me anxiety after that, but. (laughs) Dang, Mr. Hairline, I tried to help you out, but you ain't. (laughs) Okay, so you left us hanging. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? We had to wait two weeks. After date number seven to get to date number eight. Uh-huh. And when my when my uh, email came, it said he's just not that into you. Because the title suggests some type of separation or closure. Mm-hmm. So it took me took me like five minutes to get myself together with, oh, we're going from sparks to he's just not that into you. Let me mentally prepare that this is not going to be the part two that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Just for me to read through it and be like, this girl got us. So <laughs> my first question to you, again, the title suggests some type of separation or closure, but we learn that hairline actually fancies, maybe even favors you among the women he's dating. Mm-hmm. And he asked for this date. And you left us cliffhanging again. Do you have any update from whatever that time and space date number eight was mm-hmm. with the he's just not that into you? Because I left reading this post going, oh, but he is. Mm-hmm. It's just that he hasn't communicated or demonstrated it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. You were kind of ear hustling through. How do I say her name? L'Oreal. 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 You were kind of ear hustling through L'Oreal. So now when I left that post, I'm thinking, oh, he has two opportunities here. He needs to communicate that to Kaidi and Mm -hmm. he needs to demonstrate that to her. Mm -hmm. Has he communicated it to you yet or is it still just an ear hustle situation from L'Oreal? He did. He did communicate it to me. So he requested another date, which we went to Topgolf. And that's where basically he communicated that he was um, seeing some other women and kind of trying to uh, figure out how to balance cutting them off. His words were women can be crazy. So he wanted to do it in a way that was, you know, I guess safe or responsible or something. I don't know. Um, And also just juggling a lot in life in terms of trying to just get himself together and be ready to meet someone that he could you know, date seriously. He said he hadn't expected it. And so that explained his, you know, uh, lack of consistency. You know, I titled another blog, the, the hot and cold. It really did feel like hot and cold. You know, if you have a really good date with someone and you have your first kiss and whatnot, and then, 
you don't hear from them for a few days after, you know, it's, it, to me, it's confusing. Not to say we have to be connected all the time, right? but if you're building towards something, you want to get some momentum kind of going. And it felt like with him, every time we would get a little bit of momentum, the in-between, it would just, you know, there would be very little there. So that brings me, you said something about balancing the dead end and the bailing out. So still on the blog post, he's not that into you. I'm going to quote you. And then I have a question. You say, that same night, Hairline texts me requesting a date the following Monday, intending to find the balance between entertaining a dead situation for too long out of neediness and attachment and bailing too fast out of trauma and fear. I decided to oblige him and see what he had to say. I would love to hear more about this balance. How did you balance this? Because you're right. I know like a lot of my um, clients before working with me, or even sometimes in the beginning, as we try to arrive there, mm-hmm. would have gone one of these routes. Like, I mm-hmm. thought it was a perfect way to sum up how most women would have responded. This is a dead end. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, but also, there's this idea of, what do we call it? Runaway bride? <laughs> um, because there is, there is a certain level of expectation that's created for you to oblige, for you to show up. There's a level of accountability to show up in here and you do have to brace yourself for some the possibility at least of disappointment because this man can meet you and get ready to say whatever to you and that could be like you know what I don't I don't even want to put myself through that I'm gonna just I'm gonna just bounce never mind you should have shown me what I was looking for and the time I gave you Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. didn't, oh well. So yeah. talk to us about what you balanced, mm-hmm. maybe how you got there to show up in this space. Because this is a, a scary space to show up in a little bit emotionally with your anxiety and maybe disappointment, mm-hmm. um, maybe even rejection. Mm-hmm. But it's also a bold place to step to um step in, giving grace, at least hearing a man out, mm-hmm. you know, giving him an opportunity to say what he has to say and all those things. So talk right. to me. I think the main thing that helped me to kind of balance both of those was essentially like a feel and chill, right? Like <laughs> no decision has to be made right now. I can observe what's happening and take my time, right? So if there is some foolishness that's happening and it's a dead end, I will see that and can make that decision. Um, But I also don't want to cling and say, yes, let's do it. And this is going, it's going to be a great conversation. He's going to clear the air and we're going to be together, right? So just kind of taking my time and breathing and saying time will tell, time will give me the answers that I need through just observation of myself, my feelings and his behavior. Uh, I think when we make snap decisions, that's when we um, we we make decisions from our guard, a, a place of guardedness. And I think that, you know, once you get to a certain age, I don't know what the age is, it's 30, 35, 40, after you've had certain a certain number of experiences and you don't want to be naive, then you kind of 
you will create a, a guard in therapy. I, you know, I talk in, ter in terms of parts. There's a part of us that's protective that will close us off to connecting with people in order to protect ourselves. And I think a lot of times when, like I said, we've had negative relationships, negative situations, trauma, what have you, we'll start to see problems and assess problems when maybe they're not there or they're not as bad as we're perceiving them. And so the way we work around all of that is just through going really slow and taking our time before we make any decisions. So that's what I did. This leans right into the wild, wild west. Okay. And I started to feel the hot and cold for you, but I thought you were the one giving me the hot and cold, oh, not yeah? Caroline. Okay, okay, this is interesting to hear. <laughs> but maybe it was by extension, right? He was giving you hot and cold, so you gave mm -hmm. us hot and cold. I left the he's just not that into you. Mm -hmm. You you kind of signed off with a level of hope. Mm -hmm. And so I walked into Wild Wild West with a level of hope. And you kind of wrote through the blog post like that. I'm like, yeah, top golf. Yeah, like I'm I'm ready. And I'm thinking you're going to land it with something. I don't know, some next step, some uh -huh. next milestone. And then you, you kind of end with, well, I don't know, you know, what the future is going to hold for us. Mm -hmm. And kind of feeling like he had some regression mm -hmm. with the lack of consistency or lack of clarity. Mm -hmm. And I made a note to myself and I thought, okay, well, he did say that he needed to end things with other women. Mm -hmm. He did say that he had, I think, two months of activities mm -hmm. that were already planned beforehand and that was just going to cause him to be busy in ways that he could not now cancel or not show up for now that he has this lovely lady named Kaidi in his life. And so I thought, I assumed, you tell me, I assumed that the grace given there would at least extend through the two months time of the activities that he had planned. It was almost like he was saying, it's going to at least be two months. Mm -hmm. If for nothing else, the activities, not even uh, the other women he's dating, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you you um, kind of close out with kind of I don't know maybe feeling a little bit of disappointment and the regression, and it kind of it kind of wrote like like it shocked you, like it was a little surprising for me. I'm like, now you did expect this, didn't you? No, well, I said I didn't. I honestly didn't know what the future would hold for Caroline and me, but rather than returning to my old ways. I got comfortable with the idea of not knowing. So it's, you know, someone tells you that it's going to be two months and they need to cut things off with other women and all that. Like, you really don't know what that's going to turn out like, you know, like they're telling you, but you don't know how that's going to turn out, how that's going to feel um, and how you know, what the behavior is going to look like. And so it wasn't so much that I left feeling disappointed, but it was kind of more in that space of just, we'll see. Love bugs. Let's take a quick break. Kaidi and I will return soon with the rest of the story. There was a moment trying to see if I can remember the date, but I think, you know, you all maybe did like um, 
a lawn situation. Oh, yeah, on the Discovery Green. Uh-huh. The Discovery Green. I love that name. Mm-hmm. And he had to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you were expressing some bout of disappointment. I don't know if it was with his schedule so much, mm-hmm. as much as it was just like a time restraint in general. Yeah, that and that was, I think that was our next date after the Wild Wild West. We were just laying out on the lawn. And um, that was about an hour. And it, it had always felt like with him that there was like a time constraint. Um, you know how sometimes you go on a date with someone and you're just having a good time and you just do it. You just kind of go with the flow. But with him, it was always I can fit you in between this time and this time. And that's what you're going to get. And I just didn't really like how that felt. Um, we had, but it was a nice time. It was a good date. In the name of women's empowerment, sometimes mm-hmm. women, sometimes they will use that to date in, in a way that I would call sloppily. Right. And so what I mean by that is, let's say you go out someplace and you make eyes with a particular guy and you all start talking and conversing and this is not your man and you're not even with him, mm-hmm. but the social eyes that are on you might think that you all are because of the way that you are connected, making that interaction. Mm-hmm. And so I know women who will, okay, I did that and now I'm going to hop to the next guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like the next guy who approaches me or who I, you know, walk by, whatever. Mm-hmm. And kind of carry on the same energy, the same flirting, the same type of connection, you know, with another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've seen women do that two or three times, mm-hmm. in the same place in an outing. Okay. And while you are a quote unquote free agent mm-hmm. and nobody there is your, you know, your man, right. it doesn't look that good. Mm-hmm. And you have mm-hmm. to imagine to um, the men who are, shooting their shot and trying to talk to you before it wouldn't feel that good mm-hmm. so it's not a matter of if you can or that I assume with the options that you have and being single or non-exclusive that that's what you're doing mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel good to have it in my face right. it feel good to feel like that that's happening like I can intellectually assume it mm-hmm. right? I could not even realistically know it but it's how you how you manage it. Yeah, just not having having some tact. <laughs> having some tact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so technically, could you say I'm free agent? I can move around however I want, or I can yes, but you also can't move around in different of people's feelings and mm-hmm. perceptions, and then not think that it has consequences. Right. You made a point to say, hey. I'm a mature single adult woman. Mm-hmm. I know he's probably dating other women, or at least I assume it until I'm told differently. I'm even okay with it. He's not quote unquote my man, but I shouldn't feel like I'm being slated and slotted. I shouldn't yeah. feel like I'm being fit in. What was coming up for you as you were starting to realize this doesn't feel good? Mm-hmm. And especially putting it up with 
but I, I know he's dating women and I'm fine with that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So balancing this, I am comfortable with the man dating someone other than me. Yeah. But also, I don't want to feel like I'm one of your numbers. Right. I think the main thing, and this is just my personal thing and personal belief, um, I think that it, it was the, the text communication, the phone communication. So we all, you know, we have these phones and most of us know no one goes like more than 12 hours without being on their phone. Right. And so I, while I don't feel like if I text, you have to text me back right away. Um, I don't do well with, you know, you, I text you and we're really trying to connect and then you get back the next day, you know, 24 hours later, something like that. Um, because I know we all have we all have the phones. We're all using them, you know, at least once every eight hours or whatever the time frame may be. And so for me, it kind of felt like when you're getting back the next day, 24 hours later, it just kind of felt like there was not really an urgency to communicate with me. And that's just my personal thing. I know other people and coaches and things like that feel different. Um, but if I'm trying to connect with you, or I have something I'm excited to share with you or something like that. And you get back the next day, it just doesn't allow for connection for me. And so I think when you have a lot of balls that you're juggling, it is harder to, um, to, you know, get more of those be more responsive in your, you know, in between communication. But really that was a lot of what we had, you know, the in-between dates, you know, because it might be two weeks or three weeks in between a date before I saw him because he was so busy. So, right. I'm going to tell myself here. So I don't know that I need every 24, like a 24 hour rotation mm-hmm. that early in the game. More of what I know I need is mm-hmm. what the pattern that the man has already established Mm-hmm. Right. So if you've established a pattern of responding back to me within 24 hours, then yes, I've come to expect it. And it does feel some type of way when that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Also, Jeremiah, I always say to him, um, you have a relationship with the word excited or excitement mm-hmm. that is so different from anyone I've ever known. Mm-hmm. So now my ears perk up when people say it at least in certain ways and definitely in the way that you use it in this blog post okay and so I'm going to tell on myself and give a, a small story <laughs> that connects all of that okay so very early in our courting um I have went out told him that I was getting ready to go out we didn't live in the same city mm-hmm. so I told him I was getting ready to go out who I was going to be with and kind of like what I was doing because he knew who the person was mm-hmm. and I went out and there was a there was an accident with what the drink situation was. Mm-hmm. I ended up consuming more alcohol than I thought I had. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the way back home, I am visibly tipsy. Like mm-hmm. I'm out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't know it. Okay. That's how, like, I'm just, I'm having a good time, whatever. Like, I didn't know. The person who took me home recorded me Mm -hmm. so that I would have memory of what was happening. I get home, I fall out, and then I get sick. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think I text Jeremiah maybe like three, four o'clock the, the day before to mm-hmm. tell him where I was. And I'm like, and I'll just talk to you in the morning. Right? Like, don't don't wait up for me. I'll just talk to you in the morning. I did not wake up and have some sense of self until about 4 or 5 p.m. So a whole 24 hours had went by and a little change. When I got my phone, the number of missed calls and text messages from Jeremiah. So I call back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, and I was a little confused Mm -hmm. as to why I would be blown up so much because I'm Mm -hmm. like, I did tell him where I was going to be. Like, we communicated. We left off in a good spot. Anywho, Mm -hmm. I called him back. And I was met, he was like, you know, he said my whole name, (laughs) Um, like my whole government. He was like, where have you been? Mm. And he, he ended up telling me a story about how much he values the consistency of communication, Mm -hmm. how much he values knowing that I'm safe and okay and that I didn't like text back saying I made it home or anything like that. That is my nature, but I just, I wasn't all together. And very much like your position, maybe it's a Leo thing, you know, y'all have that in common, but you're pretty fixed on that, right? You're like, "Mm, you're going to have your phone at least once in 12 hours, make it make sense. I've already done the math for you (laughs) to explain. Right. Jeremiah is very much like that. It's not even a we have to communicate every 24 hours. It's if I reach out to you, you know, for me reaching back, responding to me within the 24 hours or within the 12 hours. It's a level of attentiveness, I guess you can say. I To me, it says I care. And I think this is a good point to talk about this. Everybody has different needs and that's okay, right? You know, so I've worked with some dating coaches and they say, you know, it's not important. You know, if if a man is busy and he's working, he may not get back to you right away Um, and and not right away, but he may not get back to you until the next day or whatever it is. And kind of downplaying the necessity of attentiveness and responsiveness. But I think that every woman is different. Every nervous system is wired different and everybody has different needs. And for me, I want to know that you're attentive and I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to blow up your phone if you are not responding, but I can't, that makes it harder to connect if I'm sending you a message and you're not getting back into the next day. And so for me, honoring my need is important regardless of what anybody else says about whether that's too much or this or that. Um, I think we have to be careful about taking in, you know, we talked about this, taking in too many other people's opinions about what would work for them, what should work for you. No, this is what I need. And it just didn't feel good to me. And there was a reason behind it. He couldn't be attentive because he had other women going on. He had work priorities. He's juggling and juggling beyond capacity, it seems like. Exactly. Exactly. Because he he even said he didn't really have a lot of space to take care of himself. I was feeling that. And I think it it was okay and important for me to notice how that was landing on me and my needs. Yeah, I agree. Um, I appreciate the distinction because now that is very much (laughs) that I can speak to more than just like, oh, how often should he? Yeah, if I say something to you, say something back to me that shouldn't take 
all day, which back to my story was Jeremiah's point. Like I've reached out trying to figure out where you are and right. now I'm concerned. Right. Right. Yeah. Because are you alive? Are you good? Right. Like, did you come <laughs> home last night, girl? What's right. going on? Okay. So he tells me, um, this story about like why that matters to him. Right. And I had this epiphany while he was telling me the story. And I was like, is that why you, you use the word excited in the way that you do? Hmm. And, and then it, that completely reoriented how I emotionally respond to him with the need of communicating. Hmm. And it literally was just a freak accident that that happened in the way that it did. And I lost composure that caused me to not even be consciously available. But, um, and it was quite a sting. That took a little minute for me to repair. But, <laughs> but I had dedicated to myself, made a commitment to me that once that repair um, was healed up, that I would orient differently with him. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that he uses the word excited, which is just like, you have a different relationship with this word <laughs> to me. Whether he initiates a text thread or whether I do it, right? There's an energy that's there. Mm -hmm. You were talking about connectedness, mm -hmm. you know, feeling that there's like attentiveness, whatever that is. And um, in the first post that we talked about, Sparks Fly, mm -hmm. and you talked about this hot, cold nature because like, ooh, I feel it, whatever we're calling that, right? Mm -hmm. The chemistry, the warmth, the, the connectedness, the togetherness, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then it falls flat, right. right? And so the way that Jeremiah uses the word is like, hey, once we've created something, Mm -hmm. And we both know it's here because we both feel it. And I know that you feel it. And you know that I feel it. Mm -hmm. Keep it exciting. Mm -hmm. Keep it exciting. Like, give me a reason to continue to be excited. Like, why would you let it go all the way down? Then we got to pick it back up again. and do this Exactly. Over. See, that's why I fool with y'all. <laughs> That's legit how he feels. But he does it for everything, right? Like, mm -hmm. what do you want to eat tonight? And I'm like, oh, I could actually go for Mediterranean um, or barbecue. Mm -hmm. And he'll he'll come back and say, oh, I think we're going to order Thai. And I'm like, what happened to my Mediterranean barbecue? And he was like, eh, you didn't excite me enough with it. Maybe there's some truth to it being a Leo thing. Maybe not all Leos, but just that it's common enough where there's this relationship with I move better when I'm inspired and excited. Mm. And so when I put things in front of you, you mm. had an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. If you didn't do that, that's fine. Yeah. But then don't don't come at me with not using the option that you said because you didn't say it very excitable. <laughs> that makes sense. I think that's a good way to describe it because as I think about it, even... You know, like I said, texting in between and communication in between. If we're not seeing each other often, there can be a, a an excitement in your tone in like, oh, I'm looking forward to the next time. You know, what do you want? I was thinking about you. You know, just some things to keep it going. 
Um, another thing I noticed with him is he didn't ask me, I didn't feel like he really asked me a lot of questions about myself or really like get into certain, just certain things that would allow for more depth and intimacy. I'm doing my best to remove that L'Oreal told us that he fancied you or favored you over the women that he were dating. Mm-hmm. Trying to put that to the side. It's hard because that's so important. It's like, yes, go Cardi, go Cardi. I don't want to put it to the side. I love that for you. <laughs> Um, But putting that aside, I tried to do that and just read this post with the energy that Mr. Hairline was bringing all by himself. Mm -hmm. I still, not as much as when L'Oreal told us, but I still felt that at least that there was a desire and because of a desire, some attempt to move his dating life around mm-hmm. in a way that prioritized him getting up with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. You feel that? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. things did improve after that conversation too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt that a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I'll give you my spill on it in a second. I want to okay. go right to my question. Okay. How did it feel to be seen in that mm-hmm. way? And what I'm thinking is like seen with a sincere level of attraction and value for Mm -hmm. just who you are as a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there was a point where he complimented you and it blew you away. Yeah. Right. And it was two things that I really loved about that. One, that he saw you. Mm hmm. And two, that you instantly recognize it as a culmination of all of this work you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um, kind of made me a little emotional. And we had two conversations like that. I didn't reveal too much of the emotion in that first conversation at the Wild Wild West, but later on down the line, I did. It kind of made me emotional because I felt like someone was finally appreciating all the work that I've done and they're seeing the work that I've done to honor myself. And that's what he said. He was like, you know, you, you honor yourself and empower to say what you feel, but you do it in a way that doesn't emasculate me as a man. And I was like, wow, <laughs> because I work really hard to do that. It's not always easy to balance that speaking up for yourself and not tearing the other person down and being honest with yourself and and being gracious at the same time. I think it's a womanhood thing. And it felt, and that's what he said. He was like, you're like a grown woman. (laughs) It was cute. Uh, But it felt, I felt um, just appreciated and it definitely made me emotional. Yeah, I loved it for you. I got a little emotional reading it because those are the moments. Yeah. Those are the moments that I, I mean, yes, I scream and I'm excited when someone says he asked me to be in a relationship or he proposed to me or it's my wedding day, Joyce. Those are major milestones that we Mm -hmm. love, of course. But I actually appreciate these more. Mm -hmm. And the reason that Mm -hmm. I do is because obviously I would never charge this with a guy who is talking to one of my clients in terms of those three milestones Mm -hmm. because I'm going to believe or have evidence that he actually is that guy and worth all the things. Mm -hmm. But it is still true that, well, anybody can ask you for a relationship. It doesn't mean they see you. Mm -hmm. Anybody can get on a knee and propose to you. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they 
are choosing you for the right reasons or for, right. for who you are and all of the self development right. and transformation, right? That So while I do love those moments, mm-hmm. I understand that in and of itself, it doesn't have to mean what we all believe it to mean by getting excited. Right, right. These moments are not deceitful. These mm-hmm. moments are not fake, right? These moments are like, oh, you have no incentive on saying to me, you a grown woman, except for that you see it, that that is what you experience when you're with right. me. Right. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't say it otherwise if you didn't right. see it, you know? And it kind of goes back to what we started the podcast talking about of, are you looking for a slot to fill or do you really see me? And I felt like in that moment, he really saw me. And so it was a nice moment. Yeah. I wanted to memorialize that. <laughs> For you because I know how hard you've worked to be seen in that way mm-hmm. um, and we I talk a lot about perception I have a 14 year old son and mm, the conversations about perception right now mm. he'd be having me won't in the box okay <laughs> because I mean now he is 14 and developing right there's a level of of immaturity and a level of under development that's still there that we are rearing him out of mm-hmm. but there's there's this there is this block sometimes with not wanting to be responsible for the perceptions that people have of you mm. i'll be the first to raise my hand and say not fully responsible mm-hmm. but just because you're not fully responsible doesn't mean you don't have some responsibility Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I say things to him like, well, if you don't want anybody to see you as a late person, then you got to be on time, right? Uh-huh. Um, or you got to be okay that they see you like that. But what you can't do <laughs> is not be on time and then get upset that people have yeah. perceptions about the very thing that you demonstrate, right? <laughs> so I say that to say that there is a huge amount of work to do to create perception. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot more work to do to uh, reverse it or give somebody else like a new per- perception of you once they've already fixed on what you've shown them. Right. He's 14, but I'm like, yeah, kid, but you have a little skin in this game. People aren't just making this up about you. And so the same thing here. You've done a really good job in the past, in the years that I've known you at least, taking in feedback as painful, as shocking, as stressful as it has been. Um, at taking that feedback and figuring out, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to become? What, how do, how, what opportunities do I create for myself to practice this? Even this, because again, you could have, you said dead end or bail. Mm-hmm. And you can brand with either one of those. And I know you chose to show up for that space. Yes, to give him grace, but it still was a created opportunity for you to demonstrate another page in your womanhood book, mm-hmm. right? And just overall, who Kylie wants to be as she's on this volume slash one hundred dates journey. And I wanted to memorialize that for you because I'm like that right there. Like that makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. That says that you're you're doing it. That says mm-hmm. that you are learning and understanding the balance of being empowered, mm-hmm. using my voice, 
creating space for my needs and telling the man, this is, this is what it is. I'm not going to flex on what it is that I need <laughs> while he still honors and respects all of the woman that you are, mm-hmm. right? And sees you there. So I, I personally... That ain't, that ain't for Match Mary Mae listeners. That was for me. Oh. <laughs> Memorialize that for you and just hear from you. How did that feel? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for acknowledging that because sometimes we don't, I definitely felt it in the moment, but when you put it like that of like, okay, we have weddings and engagements and all of those things, but these are some victory moments right here, right? These are the little moments along the journey that will eventually get us to our ultimate destination. So- Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. Um, all right, so then Hot and Cold came out. I said, Cardi is playing with my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like this post because he showed he could hold his own with your friends. So we met at Trill Burgers and he met up with me and a friend that was there and I wanted to see how he would interact with someone in my circle. Would he be you know, cold and standoffish or engaging. And he was definitely engaging. He was sweet. It was all good. And then that's when we had our moment at um, at Discovery Green, where he played the song. He played one of his favorite songs for me. And it was a song about vulnerability and falling in love and how scary it is. And that was like an intimate moment as well. I like seeing you like this. Okay, audience, you can't see her, but I can. <laughs> And there's just like this light girliness to you that I'm appreciating right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we went and pulled the first podcast, Mm -hmm. the video, and this one, you would see a visible difference on your cadence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, you know, these these most recent posts were all about one guy. So like as we're recounting the journey, I'm like sitting here thinking about it. We're recounting my journey with him. We definitely had some good moments. We really did. Yeah. And I can see it on you. I like it. Now, don't go falling in love too soon, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You should see her. Okay, so we in hot and cold. Which you say you are walking away, feeling excited and even a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. After our previous cold spell, sparks of warm emotional intimacy were beginning to fly again. 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 <laughs> so now my question is, where is the pen? Are you going to, in terms of like, it's, it felt like you were sticking a pen in it because he does have some work to do to be more available so that you can make more accurate and realistic assessments and decisions. Right. Right. So do you want me to tell you how it ends with Mr. Hairline or if it ends with Mr. Hairline? So we want to know what is the dun-dun-dun with Mr. (laughs) Hairline? So after our date at Discovery Green, um, we, after that date, it was another three or four weeks before I was to see him again. And I was again excited after that date. You know, again, we got the sparks flying and everything. And so I started to do these things. I talk about it in the blog. I started to send little bids for connection. So you know John Gottman, their work. There's these things called bids for connection where little things that we do to indicate to a person or to try to establish connection with a person. 
So I would start to do these little things like I knew he liked sour candy. And so I bought him a um, box of lemon heads and I want, I was excited to give it to him and everything thinking I would see him. And I, I went, I didn't see him. And so I sent him the box, the, sent him a screenshot or a picture of the box of candy to say, Hey, this is waiting on you. And his response was just kind of dry, you know, like not like a, Oh, well, I'll see you here. Like it just was kind of dry. And then there was another time where I was sitting and I was looking at the sunset by myself. I was watching the sunset and I sent him a picture of it. And I said, you know, do you ever, do you ever take in something beautiful and wish someone was there to see it with you or something like that? And again, his response just felt dry to me. And I noticed that I was starting to feel sad because I'm trying to connect with someone that I have some feelings for, and I'm just not getting the energy back that feels satisfying to me. And I do know what that energy feels like. like I've experienced it before, so I know it can happen. And so because I started to notice that I was feeling sad, again, feeling and chilling, <laughs> um, not wanting to make him the blame, I just shared it with him. I said, I noticed that I'm feeling sad, you know, because I'm trying to connect with you and I don't feel like it's working. And I'm thinking that maybe it means we're just not a good fit, but I figured I would talk to you about it first. And so that's when, you know, that's when we had that second conversation and he was like, you know, the way you, you know, open up and just explain that, like he didn't get defensive or anything, but he said, he's like, I'm actually disappointed in myself <laughs> because, you know, I can see these things and I know that I'm just not ready. And so he took some time. I asked him, what did he need? Because I couldn't tell if he needed closeness or space again because right. the hot and cold it was just confusing to me like do you need someone to you know really try to connect or do you need space so I asked him and first his, his reaction to that kind of turned me off because he didn't want to tell me what he needed because he said people when they know what you need they can use it against you and I was just like that doesn't allow for connection either, right? You have like to if, trust. If we're trying to establish something, um, and he told me he had trust issues. So this is part okay. of the reason why I was trying to be patient with him. Okay. So he told me that, and, I, and that was another example where I told him, like, I was trying to connect with you. You gave me this answer, and I don't know what to do with that. So after that conversation, he said, I'm going to take some time to think about what I need and get back to you. So and he told me when he was going to get back to me. He was going to get back to me like the, the, by the next week. The next week came, he didn't get back to me. And <laughs> now for me, I don't know where this falls on the standards and boundaries list, but someone who keeps their word, mm -hmm. I feel like that turns into a mothering dynamic. And I'm not interested in a mothering dynamic. If you said you were going to do it, and then I want to see you as a man come back and tell me. So he didn't do that. And that's when I, I ate the lemon heads. And I said, this is this is not going to work for me. Um, at that point, I felt like I had been trying my best to be patient, to be gracious, to communicate. And I just was feeling disappointed too often. Yeah. I so liked the hairline. I liked them really. A lot of people like this hot and cold thing is not. <laughs> well, I don't like that. But I like how he was able to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that when he when he showed up and was completely available, mm -hmm. I like the quality and level of intimacy that brewed. Yeah, and that was the confusing thing. And if we're talking attachment styles, um, 
I think his attachment style might have been the fearful avoidant, which is like a combination of anxious right. and avoidant. So there's the ability to go deep and the ability to be really intimate. But then there's this fear of it at the same time where you go running once you start to feel it. And I feel like that's what was happening with him, which can create the most confusing and long lasting cycle because it's a pull in and it's a push away. And um, that's what I felt is like, you know, like I like them. Oh, there's a spark. And then, oh, you know. <laughs> to end, to wrap up Mr. Hairline, one of my favorite things in the blog post as you were like processing on your way out, so mm-hmm. to speak, was you you are a recovering, I think you said anxious. Mm-hmm. The anxious mm-hmm. attachment. Anxious attachment. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things about knowing and having all of these psychological resources and tools, mm-hmm. knowing your birth order, knowing your attachment style, your primary love language, your archetype, all of these things um, that I, first of all, they give so many dividends when you're in the committed relationship. Mm-hmm. On your journey too, it really helps you to protect yourself in the smart way, not in the lizard brain where you were mm-hmm. talking about um, the parts of you, yeah, really in a really good, healthy and smart way. And so I love that you were saying, I've done the work to not be anxiously attaching, mm-hmm. at least not primary, not even presenting, mm-hmm. right? Of course, it's in your history, so it can- it will, it, But it will come out. Right. It will come out with the wrong person. Exactly. And I mm-hmm. love that. I love mm-hmm. that you said- I can't, you didn't say it like this, but the essence was I can't put myself in a position where a work that I've done to not be this becomes Mm -hmm. undone by way of relating to you. And I already know that about myself and I like being secure. So I need to not engage maybe at all or in certain ways Mm -hmm. with people who re-trigger the anxious attachment that I've worked so hard to develop into a security. Exactly. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. So even when it goes back to responsiveness to a text, right? If, if me with someone who waits a day or two to get back, it's not a, it's not a, it's not good for that attachment style for mine. My attachment style needs more consistency. And that doesn't make me needy. That just makes me me. You that know? makes you human, right? Right, right. And so learning to honor that and not second guess it and, you know, recognize when someone is capable of meeting that need or not, because a lot of times we'll try to force someone into being able to do it. He just wasn't capable. He's not a bad guy. He just wasn't capable. So mm-hmm. as you transition out of Mr. Hairline, mm-hmm you entered into a dry season. Yes. We all know what a dry season is. Mm-hmm. We don't need a dissertation on it, but mm-hmm. I do think that dry seasons come in certain periods of an individual's life and sometimes even a certain period seasonally. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be appropriate by the time everybody hears this for you to just speak to what is a dry spell? How does that feel? How are you navigating it? as a spring of inspiration and maybe even soothing some feelings of what comes up with dry spells for our female listeners. 
Well, I, I first have to say, just like with all seasons, they come to an end. <laughs> they come to an end. And one thing that stood out for me during that time was, you know, a friend of mine said, well, that, it's okay. You don't have to always have another person in rotation. <laughs> and I think with trying to do 100 dates and, you know, having a certain end goal, uh, and, and with the the primary person that I was dating at the time kind of being hot and cold, I wanted to have another option and I just didn't have it. So learning to be okay with that and taking that time and knowing that it's going to come to an end, I think that that's just the, the best that I could do. Um, when we start to get in our heads and think, is this going to last forever? You know, is this not going to change? That can start to lead to either anxiety or hopelessness or whatever have you. Um, but it, it, it wasn't even that long of a dry season. See? Then, then I got a really good option. <laughs> okay, so we had a hot cold mm-hmm. that led to a dry, then the dry mm-hmm. season came to an end, mm-hmm. and now there is uh, new hope or new inspiration all over again, mm-hmm. which are the cycles. And I know I love to say to single women, not just my clients, listen, relationship dynamics are relationship dynamics. The same thing that you experience in dating and in relationships that are not named marriage at all or yet, mm-hmm. you're going to experience them in marriage too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like season. Right. Marriage doesn't protect, doesn't freeze relationship dynamics. Mm. Right. You're going to experience anxiety. You're going to experience dry spells. You're going to have some hot, cold moments. You're going to be, right. Obviously you're, you're working. The beauty of it is you're working on it with one person who has vowed a level of investment of working on him and helping you work on you so that y'all can be better together. Right, right. So there is a bit more security in that. Right. There's mm-hmm. more security, more comfort. Um, there's more of a knowing and there's mm-hmm. more investment, right? It's like you want to figure it out. You want right. to do the work where sometimes if you're just dating a person, like, I don't know if I'm about to do all of this just to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but it's still there. All of those things are there. Mm-hmm. And so your ability to uh, be confronted with it Mm-hmm. feel it, experience it, know what you want to do with it, what works for you, what doesn't. All of that helps you to be better when you have a more permanent relationship because when you're dating, it's just like, get to the security, get to the security. Mm-hmm. Right? But once the security is intact, that's no longer the bullseye because mm-hmm. it, it already exists. So now it's about quality and longevity. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to navigate your relationship in a way where it doesn't suffer more stress and strain than it needs to, where the quality dips so low that it's really hard to get back. Mm-hmm. And so your ability to do what you're doing in the dating space helps for when you are secured right. to not be adding more stress and strain so that the quality can be maintained, so right, the longevity right. can be intact, so the security mm-hmm. stays in place. Yeah, yeah, that no, that's a really good comparison because a friend of mine just got engaged or she got engaged a while back and they, they she had a little moment with him, which, you know, from the outside in was like, this is not a big deal. But getting through that moment and it's like it's like 
all couples go through their little moments, their little things. And if we look at this little moment, this little thing as like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the end here, or what does this mean? And then you add more weight on top of it. When it, in actuality, it's just something you have to get through. It's just a little blip, just a little little season, a little spell. And if you can stay grounded in that, then then there will be the longevity, right? But if you lose that grounding, then you start to run into more serious problems. And your ability to get through it. I mean, going through stuff is going to add some stress and strain. You just don't want it to be so much, you know, right. at times. But if you well, it's your perception of the stress and the strain. That's what I mean. Your perception of it, right? You know, if you perceive it to be this is part of the process and then we'll get through it, then it's, there's less, it's less weight to it. But if you perceive it to be, this is the end, it's not supposed to be like this. When is it going to come? Then, you know, you adding more to it. more weight. Or that you're my problem. Hmm. Yeah. Like just doing life with you or trying to navigate this with you, even if it's not life, it could just be dating. It, like it's too much of a problem. This is, when you perceive it like that, right? It can add way more stress and strain because now you think it's the person causing all of the negative impact mm-hmm. that I don't like and not the body of work that is being exposed for whatever, you know, the issue is. Yeah. Not conflict in and of itself, but being able to find resolution and repair in conflict and feeling secure enough that whatever is coming up, I know we will figure it out. Mm. Because you've had so many instances of when conflict comes, we know how to repair and resolve and come back to. That will build a sense of security that it don't matter what conflict comes. Watch this, right? Like watch us figure it out. Watch us, you know, find the help, pay the person, do the Mm. work. Develop mm-hmm. a new prayer life, whatever it is that we have to do, right? Like mm-hmm. watch us find it. And when you get there, you real like there's so much more intimacy. Mm-hmm. Real intimacy is on the other side of conflict, not the yeah. presence of it. Right. But your ability to repair it and resolve mm-hmm. it. And then your security that the other person can do that for you and with you once you've demonstrated it so much. Thank you for sitting with me today, Kaidi. Thank you. It's been so fun processing this. And I feel like I've, I've got gained some new nuggets in my journey just through our conversation. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. All right, now that's it. And that's all. We end every episode with thought or heart provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper and the most high tends to those too. Dear listener, where do you land on the intersection of womanhood and gender roles? What visible impact have you noticed when you employ your feminine power? How do you balance undesired emotions with desired realities? Do you have a secure attachment style? How do you protect it? How do you plan to respond to seasons of dry spells in your love life? It's okay to write about the blessings and the burdens. Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself, free yourself, and most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you.
if you're interested in my research interests or projects or want me to speak about it or my dating and relationship coaching practice at your next event, you can reach me at hello at matchmarymate.com. Do not forget to download your episode 17 guide. If you're already on the Match Mary Mate subs list, it's in your inbox. To join, click the link in the show notes. Our next episode is titled Her Relationship Gems, where a Match Mary Mate client discusses her one-year transformation as a single woman navigating the dating scene in Atlanta. If you want to share some topics you'd like to hear on the show, please use the comments feature on this episode or shoot me an email at podcast at matchmarymate.com. For now, I leave you with a situational quote from our guest today. I pulled it straight from her blog because it captures such female power. She says, my decision wasn't impulsive or emotional. However, it was informed by emotion. I didn't want to attack the man because he wasn't meeting my needs. However, I did want to address the problem. Thank you for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go, and I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.